Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. We are uh, in Romans 8 today. If it's your first time with us this morning, we've been in Romans 8 in the last couple of weeks. It's part of a deep dive into Romans that we've been doing here for the last several weeks. We're actually week number 19 or 20. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, in the book of Romans. And we're just taking our time walking through and uh, seeing what God has for us in this really important letter. And so we started with the first part of Romans 8. And just to kind of quickly recap to put us all on the same page, we learned in the first part of Romans 8, there's no kind condemnation for those who are following Jesus. Man, God does not condemn you uh, for your sin once you become a follower. Why? He's already taken care of that. He's already paid the bill for you. It's, it's done and over with. And he makes this possible by bringing his Holy Spirit into your life when you say yes to him. And the Spirit of God brings you life and he brings freedom. And then last week we, we took apart another piece of Romans 8, discovering the Holy Spirit brings us into the family of God. So when you commit to following him, he, he, he adopts you. Kind of a strange terminology, I know. Uh, but he adopts you into his family. God has one son, so we're all adopted, right? So we're all brought into the family of God uh, when we say yes to him. And we get to share both in God's glory and in his suffering, in Christ's suffering as a result of that. And it's that last little bit on suffering that unnerves a lot of people because nobody wants to suffer, right? No, no one wants that. No one enjoys that. If you do, you're a glutton for punishment. You might, you might want some counseling. Like, no one enjoys suffering, for sure. But it's a major part of the life of a believer, of someone who's going to follow Jesus. Uh, Jesus, in fact, promised that we would suffer. He says, hey, in this world, man, this life, you're going to have a lot of trouble, right? But, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That's always great to add to that, because he has. But you're going to suffer. He says, man, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you too because there's no one who's greater than their teacher or their master. Like, no, suffering is going to happen. It's going to come your way. Uh, you, you ever struggled with, with people who tell you, especially when you're going through a hard time, they're like, man, I got you. Like, I got your back. And, and, and they don't, right? Like, they're not there at all. Like, you need them and they're not there. They bail on you. They don't return your text. They ghost you, man. No text messages coming back. None of that kind of stuff. Uh, that's not fun to be around for sure. They fail to come through. Trust is, is really important. Trust is, is relational currency. It takes years to build it and seconds to destroy it. I hate how that works, right? But it does. It takes seconds to destroy trust. One bad text message or one secret expense account can derail a marriage that was just super strong for decades, all because of, of trust issues uh, that, that happened. And most of us, man, by the way, like we don't, we don't tend to trust people in general, I think, anymore. Uh, just just uh, several years ago, Pew Research, they came out with, uh, with some data, and it's, it's not very current. So it's, it's about a year, year and a half old. Uh, but Pew Research came out uh, with some data, and they said that 70% of Americans uh, didn't trust businesses anymore, corporations, that kind of thing. No, there's no trust there. Uh, that number dips a little bit when it comes to like banks and financial institutions. Like no one trusts those guys anymore. For education, schools, college, universities, uh, Silicon Valley, Meta, Google, that kind of thing, it's about 50-50, which to be honest, I was surprised it was, it was that high. I thought it was worse than that. Um, um, 
Americans have kind of always had this Pollyanna outlook where we want to believe the best in people and, and we, want, we want to be like, hey, I, I don't want to distrust you. I would like to give you a shot. But that is quickly eroding right now in our world. And right now in this day and age, no matter who you are, what your affiliation is, no one trusts anything and anybody anymore. Trust is really eroding in, in, our, in our culture. And I just wonder if, if that includes our walk with God. So do we trust God, for those of you who are followers of Christ, do you trust God the way you used to trust God five weeks ago, six months ago, a year ago, right? Is the trust level the same? Is it still there? Maybe, maybe you struggle uh, this morning with that. You struggle with God's plan and power and way of doing things. You're not alone, by the way, if that's you. A lot of us struggle with that. Uh, certainly, you might struggle to understand God's, God's people. And, and I will tell you this. This is especially true for my guys this morning. If you're here today and you've, you're not sure where you fall on the spectrum. You know, I got questions and doubts about God. I'm, I mean, I'm kind of a new follower. If that's where you're at today, I want to I want to tell you this. Don't hold the people of God accountable. Accountable. Uh, I'm sorry, don't hold God accountable to the people of God. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. Don't hold God accountable to the people of God. Why do, why, why do I say that? Because God is perfect and what he does is perfect, but God's people are far from it. We are imperfect people. Uh, we're going to hurt you. We're going to do stupid things because we're not God. Don't look at us and say, well, because you did this, that's how God is. Listen, uh, it, it is not a perfect reflection of the Lord and who he is. Don't hold him accountable for his people. They don't always get it together. We're going to talk about that here this morning, though, by the way, okay? Um, hey, perhaps you're here and you're struggling a little bit with, like, what you're doing in your situation. Hey, God, I don't understand what I'm facing right now. I'm not sure what you're trying to do here. I feel like I, my back's against the wall, and uh, I have no clue how anything good is going to come out of this. I mean, how are you going to spend this one? Because I, I don't see how anything great for me or good for me or in the situation I'm in could possibly turn turn out in a positive manner. God has a plan. If that's you today, he's got a plan for you. Maybe, maybe your family is hurting. You need to trust that God's got a plan. Maybe, maybe you got a career issue. You need a job. Or, hey, trust that God has a plan for your life. Perhaps there's a health issue. I had someone, as we're, as we're worshiping this morning, I had someone uh, who part of our church family text me, hey, uh, their spouse has been kind of struggling with some health issues for a while, and they thought they were coming out, and, and they, they took a big step back just today. And maybe you're trusting God for a health issue. Just trust that he has a plan for your life. Whatever it is you're going through, I want you to remember this today. God's got this. It's the title of the, the message, the talk I'm giving on your notes. God's got this. He's got it, so give it over to him, okay? Speaking to the Jewish exiles who were in Babylon, uh, and the ones who hadn't arrived yet but were arriving, there's a prophet in the Old Testament named Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says this. Very, very famous verse. Jeremiah says, 29 11, he says this. Speaking for the Lord, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, that promise is not a personal promise to you. That was a promise made to the people of Judah going into exile. However, I will say this. It holds true to a principle that is just as applicable to you today as it was back then. And that's this, that God knows you. God knows you, man. He knows your heart. He knows your pain. He knows your struggles. Uh, and he has a plan and purpose for your life. And if you came in today wondering, why am I here? Uh, 
what, what, what good is my life amount to? I'm not sure why I have this kind of gifting and this gifting over here. Hey, it's because God has a purpose for you, and that purpose is aligned with a plan for your life. And by the way, for every single one of us in the room, because God wants good things for his kids, you can trust that purpose and plan is good. And you can trust that it is designed to bring hope. It's designed to bring you hope, but designed also through you to bring hope to people around you. So trust in the Lord. Can you trust that God knows more than you know? Can you trust God as a plan and purpose for your life? You're never going to find a time uh, where God failed. You'll find times where God's people failed. You'll find times where religion failed. But you'll never find a time when God himself actually failed. God has a plan, and, and he's got this. Now, before I jump into the text today, I want to jump back to uh, where we were at last week. I want to clean up just a couple of verses and then head into where we're going to be here uh, this morning. So I want to go to verse number 16 real quick. Verse number 16, and this is going to be kind of a bridge to get where we're going to be at here today. So Romans 8.16, Paul, who is the author of Romans, he says this, for his spirit, this is God's spirit, his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're children of God. This is the adoption process where God adopts you into his family. And since we're his children, we're his heirs. We like that. Heaven, eternal life, glory. Give me some of that right there, right? In fact, together with Christ, we're heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share in his glory, and here's the big uh-oh but part. If we're to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Nobody wants to do this. But you got to share in the suffering. And we talked about this last week, about the Holy Spirit confirming we're children of God and we're sharing in Christ's glory, but the price we pay for that is we're also going to share in his suffering. And there is real suffering that followers of Christ endure all around the world. Some, some go to prison, some face death, but there's real suffering and persecution. Now, we don't face that in America. At least, at least you know, not yet. Like, I don't know what the future holds. Nobody does. Hopefully, we don't face that. I ran into someone one time, they're like, man, we're praying for persecution in America. Like, we're praying for imprisonments and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, dude, why? Because the church will grow. And I will say this, as, as a church history, I'm, I, I can, I'm a church historian for sure. And I will tell you that throughout church history, where there's intense persecution, the church grows like wildfire. However, if you're praying for that, you are a fool. Like, do not pray for that. I don't know about you, I, but there's a lot of hardship and pain, you know, death. Like, I don't want that for my family or for me. Like, okay, I get it. You want the church to grow. It can grow other ways too. It don't have to be persecution. I'm not praying for persecution. If that's you, you're by yourself today. Nobody here is going to join you with that one. But persecution does exist around the world. There is suffering. And for us here in America, we don't risk jail or whatever. But, you know, a lot of our suffering is self-inflicted suffering for sure. You know, we refuse to give up old ways of living. We refuse to give up, you know, vices that kind of have strongholds in our lives. We won't give those things up. We kind of hold on to them. And because of that, uh, we, we are, we're struggling in our walk. And I get why we hold on to it. For some of you in the room, it's, it's, I, 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 I get there because I've been there, done that with you. You know, if, if, if you're, it's hard because whatever it is, alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever it is, here's the thing. It gives you relief. Like there's, there, it, stress and pressure, it's gone. I got a moment of escape. I've got relief. It feels good. Yeah, I got to deal with this stuff later. And hopefully you don't make more mistakes in the process of experiencing your peace and relief. But uh, it, it's, it's good. The problem with that is that's not that's that's counterfeit peace it's not real peace 
in the moment, okay, it's great. But if that's what you have to do and you have to go to every time to feel real peace and escape in your life, I would argue you're not really free. Christ can give you peace, and that peace surpasses, Scripture says, all understanding, right? That peace surpasses everything. In every situation I walk in, that peace of God can get me through what I'm struggling with and dealing with the pressures of life. It can get me through where I need to go. But the thing is, i got to let go of that other stuff. You can't hold on to that. The reality is, man, life is full of, of, of suffering, and we're going to suffer whether we follow Christ or not. You're here this morning, and, and, and you're not sure where you're at in your walk with the Lord. I'm just telling you, like, you're going to suffer, period. The, the ebb and flow of life is, is suffering, and you're going to suffer in this life. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I'd rather suffer and it means something. I, I don't want to suffer and the you know, lights go out. And it doesn't mean, I want to suffer and know there's something on the other side. There's a reason why I'm suffering. I don't want to walk through life and suffer. Suffer. There's something there. And Paul in verse 18 is going to share with us what's on the other side of that suffering. Look at verse 18. He says this. Yet what we suffer now, this present life, is nothing compared to the glory we reveal to us later. And God revealed to us later. That glory, that's eternity, that's the kingdom of God, that's heaven, that is far greater. And so when you suffer, remind yourself this, that the prize is always worth the price. The prize is always worth the price. You're going to suffer, but it's worth it. There's something on the other side. The future is better. It's better for you in eternity. And what's on the other side is greater. It's, it's certainly tough now, and it might be tough down the road, but man, for every person following God, that promise is there. There's something better on the other side. It's the kingdom of God. No pain, no tears, no sickness, no heartache. It's just peace and joy and victory. Even if you're here today, say, Pastor, I don't feel like I'm suffering. Things are pretty good for me right now. You know, like everything's kind of going the way I would like it to go. Paul's understanding, the guy who wrote the letter here, his understanding would be this. We are still suffering. And so how is that possible? How can I still be suffering if things are going well? Because this life is not all there is, see? And there's more to it. This world's not your home as a follower of Jesus. The human condition is nothing compared to what awaits us in God's kingdom. That's why so many followers of Jesus are, are, are generous. I mean, I, I didn't pull them up today, but you can go and Google it yourself. Study after study after study that's been done on charitable giving in regards to Christians shows this. We all give people like crazy. Why? Because we understand this life is not all there is. I can't take my wealth with me. I can pass it down to my kids, but it's, I mean, it's, it's a worldly thing. So what do we do? We're generous and we give. We give time. We give resources. We give finances. We give whatever we got. We give because we are generous people. We understand this is not everything there is. This world itself, by the way, is suffering physically. Did you know that? Creation itself is waiting for redemption and, and, and renewal. Nature hasn't been the same since the fall. Go back to Genesis 3. Adam and Eve, the first two people, they commit this sin, and uh, the whole world's tainted after that. And the entire ecosystem has been off balance ever since. You, know, you want to call it climate change, whatever you want to call it, that's fine. But the world is not right, and it hasn't been right since that time period. Nature is longing for its suffering to end. And we're going to see this in just a few moments because Paul's going to talk about that. So we endure suffering. Creation endures suffering. What do you do about that? 
that. There, there are some folks who say, man, what we're going to do about that is we're going to throw our hands up in the air and they'll say, man, God come. It's like God show up and take care of it and end everything and man, let's just, let's just be, be done with this. And I think that's not necessarily God's point of view. I think God's point of view this morning is, is a little bit different. I think instead of God showing up, he's looking at you guys and me, the church, the, the followers of Christ. He's like, hey, I wish y'all would show up. I wish you guys would show up right now, man. I think God uh, longs for us to get it together. And I'm be talking a lot about kind of big C, global church here in, in a moment, the entire body of Christ in, in, in this next few seconds, uh, minutes. But I think God longs for us to get it together. Why? Because the world needs the church. The world needs the people of God. It needs the church. I said earlier, man, you can't blame the, uh, God for what his people do. Don't do that. Don't hold him accountable to it. what imperfect people do in his name. Uh, there, there's a lot of great things the church has done, but there's a lot of terrible things it's done too. There's a lot of really bad things we have done uh, in the name of Jesus throughout history. I, we do not have a pristine reputation. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but the church doesn't have that. Why? Because we, we haven't been on mission all the time. We've done some pretty bad things. We've fought over some really stupid stuff in the past too. I don't know if you realize that, but we have fought over things we should not have fought over for sure. I, I was thinking about this, this this past week. It, I watched the Kansas City Chiefs and that great overtime combat, Pat Mahomes. I'm not a big 49ers fan, so I was kind of happy to see that. Uh, and I watched that. I'm sure many of you watched the Super Bowl as well, and you saw the ads, which I think they used to be really funny. They're not as funny now as they probably used to be, but the ads are always great. Well, there was one particular ad that, that showed up on the screen, and I honestly, like, I thought nothing of it. It was the He Gets Us ad, the foot washing, you know? And I thought, okay, cool. It, it kind of went on a way my social feed apparently did not like this ad it blew up like crazy i mean people left and right uh, you know over this this ad and what what i found out was there are christians back and forth tearing each other apart over the super bowl commercial and they're tearing each other apart over this, squabbling over what's not theologically accurate you know kind of going through all this kind of stuff and my thought was who cares that commercial was not for you. Did you know that? Gosh, did you know as a Christian you're not the center of the universe? I know that's hard to believe. I am the center of the universe. Maybe you're not, but, you know, like, it's not for you. It was designed for people who are far from God, who don't know the Lord. It was designed for them to get them talking about, what, what, is, what is that? It was designed for you to go into work the next day, you know, and you're talking to everybody about the game, and, you know, maybe it comes up a conversation. Maybe you're like, hey, did you see that ad? the foot washing thing and kind of and, and kind of have a conversation and carry it somewhere it wasn't designed for Christians to squabble and tear each other apart over some I almost said a bad word theological <laughs> theological depictions this is Radiant Church you know we're, we're the imperfect folks here <clears throat> I, here, I, here, here's where I want to go with this we, I don't have time for that we don't have time for this we don't have time for it. We don't have time to, to be really dogmatic about every single thing. Like, I, I don't care about being dogmatic. And if you're like, man, I, I want to come to church and I want this pastor to preach this type of message every single week that hits this kind of person, this kind of thing. If you want me to be dogmatic about all kinds of stuff, you might not be in the right place. 
And that's okay. We'll help you find one that, that does that. But I, that's not who I am. That's not who we are. You know what I'm dogmatic about? I will hold the line all day on this right here and this right here alone. That every single person needs Jesus. Every person needs him. They all need Christ. Every person needs Jesus. Why? Because he's the healer that you need. He's the forgiveness that you need. He's the salvation and the hope that you need. And I will hold that line all day long and die on that hill. But I'm not going to die on a hill for some stupid commercial. <laughs> or whatever else it is you want to squabble about. I'm not doing it. I, I just, I, can we not do that? Can we, can, we not, can we not fight over trivial things? Can we just say, man, you know what? I see it this way, you see it that way, but we're on the same team and we're trying to win folks for Christ and we're just leaving it at that? Can we not just do that? You know, can we not just do that? Because here, here's the thing. We should all be working towards that end goal of bringing folks to Christ. The church, as imperfect as it is, is God's plan A. There's no plan B. There's no plan B for this. It's God's plan A to bring the message of Christ to the world around us. There, there is no backup plan. We're it. It's not just our communities and our friends and our family who need the church to show up, though. Creation's waiting for the same thing. Look at what Paul says in verse 19. He says, All creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. So, so Christ has already been revealed. He's already been revealed, okay? Uh, the world is, is suffering right now. Now, what's it suffering from? I mentioned creation already, but what else is suffering in the world? Well, man, there's, there's, we have sex slavery happening. We have more slaves in the world than at any point in time in human history right now. Human trafficking is at an all-time high. We have war. We have disease, poverty, addictions, hopelessness, which covers a whole plethora of stuff. Like the world is hurting. It's hurting. And it's waiting on the people of God to show up. The wealthiest and healthiest among us. If they don't have Christ, they don't have the hope they need. So when they leave this world and get into eternity, if they don't have that hope, they'll be separated forever. You can't buy your way into this. Every person on planet Earth is in the same spot. The job of the church is not to conclave ourselves together in holy huddles, comparing our theologies. Which, by the way, I'll tell you next week. Oh, my goodness. So we're going to finish Romans 8 next week with a bang. It's going to be a ride. Buggle up. We're going to end it. We're going we're gonna to end Romans 8 next week, go into Easter for a little bit after that. You want to be here next week. We're going to hit some things that are important for, for us to hit on, especially those who are followers of Christ. You want to be here next Sunday for, for, for that one for sure. But, man, that's not our job to huddle up like that. Our job is, is to reach people for Christ, our coworkers, our neighbors, our friends, our family. Like, <clears throat> we're to reach them for Jesus. If you are waiting for an outreach event to bring people to, can I just tell you, you you are the outreach event. Like it's not a but you don't bring no you're it. And for so long, for guys, this I'm talking to church folks now. So if you're here, you're not kind of on that that realm yet. Just just bear with me. But man, if you've been in church and forever, our our thing was, but we're gonna have this cool event and bring people to it, and they're gonna say yes to Christ. And it, it, it did work for a while. But you know what? A lot of us ended up doing this. We'd bring people, a lot of Christian people, but we'd bring people to the event and say yes, I'm gonna follow Jesus. No one follows up on them. So there's no discipleship. No one really comes to know God. They just respond to the thing, and that's it. Now, there's different stories. I get, I get it. But, but for, by and large, that's how it worked. And nobody took the time 
to really reach out to that coworker or that neighbor for Jesus on a personal level. <clears throat> well, I'll just invite them to this thing. You are the outreach event. You have relationships with people. I'm going off script a little bit here, but you, you have relationships with people. You have folks in your circle that I will never see and never talk to and never reach. The person sitting next to you will never see or talk or reach them, but you will. Could it be that God has brought you into those folks' lives for that purpose of what? Shining that light of Christ. Whether it's through an actual conversation where you lead someone to Jesus, or it's through planting a seed that somebody else will water, and another person 10 years down the road can say, man, I get the privilege of leading him to Christ, but it started back with you and what you did. I don't know which, but it starts with you. And I love events, and I love big days, and I love, I mean, Easter's a big day. We're going to, at the end of church, we're going to tell you, invite folks to Easter. And, there's, and, I, and we're going to do that kind of stuff, but we're not going to live there. Because at this church, anyway, as long as I'm here pastoring this church, we are putting the onus on, on you the way it was intended to be. Where we reach people in our mission field, which is church and school and I said church, didn't I? School. Well, some of y'all need Jesus, though. So there you go. But, but school, your workplace, your community, your neighborhood, wherever you happen to be, you are the outreach of that. If you're a note taker, jot this down. I want to show you something real quick. Verse 19 says that creation is waiting for God's people to be revealed, right? So it connects with verse 14. I'm going to show you how it leads up to this point. It connects to verse 14, where it says that all who are led by the Spirit of God are, are children of God. What, what does verse 15 say? Well, verse 15 says all who have the Holy Spirit are, are sons of God. Verse number 16, the Holy Spirit confirms with our spirit, we just read that this morning, that we're, we're children of God. Verse 17 says this, that we're children of God and we are heirs, some translations co-heirs, with Christ. All of these little places right here build up into verse number 19. All of them do. And so the world is waiting for the Spirit to lead the children of God into a place where they'll be revealed. What does that mean? We're not waiting for a special day where it's kind of like, aha, we're talking about those moments I just mentioned a second ago. When you have someone who's hurting, who's going through a tough time, and you say, man, can I pray for you? Never have said that before in my life, maybe that person, but I'm going to say, can I pray for you? I know, I know it's kind of tough. It's for the moments where, you know, they have questions about, faith and what hey how is it that you can live this way like I've tried to be the, do the right thing and I can't do it. how are you how come you're doing that well it's because I have faith in Christ they're waiting for those types of moments where you'll show up and oftentimes they're not big heavenly spotlight angel singing kind of moments they're everyday ordinary conversations you're having in the break room around the water cooler or wherever and the bleachers those are those moments God has no grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. You got to be Holy Spirit-led, Spirit-filled 
to be led by the Spirit of God. You can't rely on your parents' faith or your lineage because it doesn't work that way. It, it, it's all on you. We have a responsibility as followers of Christ to know our standing with God. And then what do we do with that? We then live for Him and reach a world that's far from God. Look at verse number 20. Paul says this, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curses. Now what's he talking about? He's talking about Genesis 3, the fall. Adam and Eve, first two people God made. God said, hey, here's a tree. There's some fruit. Do not eat from that tree. If you do, you're going to die. What do they do? They eat from the tree, and, and death comes into the picture. There's a curse. But it's not just Adam and Eve who are cursed. All creation is cursed after that. Can I just say this? This is kind of an extra this morning. Listen to me. Sin never affects just you. It's never just you. Well, if I do this, I'm the only one who's going to get any flack for it or whatever. No, sir. Nope. Always, always sin affects other people that you never thought about. It has, it has far-reaching implications. And Adam and Eve, when it's like the human race, it was creation itself tainted with sin once the fall happened. Now he continues, he goes, with eager, eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. What's he talking about there? Go to the end of the book. Go to Revelation, right? And, and, and we see a new heaven, new earth. It's the kingdom of God. It's longing for the day where the people of God who walk in the glory of God and his kingdom in eternity are now paired with creation that has been redeemed and restored and renewed. That's what it's talking about. Listen, if, if we don't get who we are today, which are sons and daughters of the king, if we don't get who we are, then those who are far from God will never get who we serve. If we don't walk in the identity of who you are as a son or daughter of God, then I don't know how you expect folks who are far from the Lord to, to, to see that. You've got to understand who you are to, to, to make it work. What makes the church powerless at times, I think, is forgetting who we are. We're not walking in the Spirit. We're not walking in this, this sonship or family of God we've talked about last week. Instead, we, we, we walk in religion. We walk in rules, man. We walk in all kinds of divisions we should not be involved in. And so what does the world say? Well, the world's like, man, you guys can't get it together. <laughs> like, y'all can't get it together, man. You're arguing over insignificant things. Why would anybody believe what you have to say? I, I, I think the crazy thing that an unbelieving world finds so unbelievable, as the saying goes, are, are Christians who will say, man, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm, I'm all in love with Jesus, all in their word, but they don't live their life as if they're following Jesus. It's not matching. I'm not calling you to perfection. I'm calling you to be consistent. Consistently live for Christ. Consistently live for the Lord. We're out in California on vacation visiting some, some good friends of ours, and we had this random conversation in the morning. We said, you know, if, if we ever get the pastor of church, we want a pastor of church where, you know, everybody can come through the doors, but we want a pastor of church where people who are far from God or who have doubts or questions can come in and feel like they belong. Because if you look at salvation and how the process plays out in Scripture, it is a process. You have Peter and James and John, all these disciples who followed Jesus. Jesus, not a pastor. They followed Jesus 
for three years. They don't get it. Three years of some crazy stuff. It's not until after he dies and rises again that does it all click for them. It was a process. And I think for a lot of folks, that's, that's what it is. I think it's a process. And so we, 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 we want to create a church where, where people will have a, an opportunity to process through where they're at on this journey with Christ. We, we, we don't want to get religious. We don't want to get into the Christian subculture. Like, we don't want to do that kind of stuff. We have no desire to do that. We're not going to be political. Uh, we, we, you'll never hear me talk about both parties unless I'm making fun of both of them. Like, we don't do that kind of thing. Uh, we, 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 we don't want to do any of that kind of stuff. We just want to focus on Jesus and, and, and making sure that everybody else understands you need him. And we'll let the chips fall with the may outside of that. That's discipleship, buddy. But, but that's what we want to have. And, and I think the Lord has, you know, he birthed that many years ago. And I think God is, he's, he's creating that. And, and we're seeing that. I don't have time to get that today. But I'm telling you, man, uh, the Lord is doing some great stuff already here. Romans 8.22. For we know, Paul says, that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will uh, give us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies that he's promised us. Again, a big picture of painting eternity here. Paul's talking about eternity and the kingdom of God, what awaits for us on the other side of suffering. But since Genesis, humanity has suffered under sin. Creation has suffered under sin. And so notice that Paul says even Christians, the Holy Spirit, even Christian spirits who have the Holy Spirit within them, man, we're suffering too because we're waiting for the day when we join with Christ. That day is coming quicker than you realize. Whether, whether you go to meet the Lord or whether the Lord returns, either way, it's coming faster than you think. So that day is coming when we'll be joined with Him. Look at verse 24. We were given this hope when we were saved. So from the moment you say, yes to Christ, what happens? God says you're one of mine in all of the promises, all of the, the benefits. They're yours too. You don't got to jump through hoops. You don't got hey, it's just faith in Christ. If we already have something, Paul says we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Look at verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Gotta pay attention to this verse because we're gonna, we're gonna come back here. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit, He prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in the words. I mean, I, verse 26, if you're a note taker, you underline, circle, highlight, whatever it is you do, that's an important verse. Because what, what is Paul saying? The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. In other words, give it to God. Whatever you're dealing with here today, give it to God. Whatever you're struggling with here today, give it over to God. Let God have it. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't even know how to pray. We don't even know what we should pray for. You know, we're praying, but it may not be what God's will is for our lives. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He's like, man, I'm going to help you out a little bit. And he's praying for God's will, even if we're not quite sure what it is. There are moments where that happens. And so he's praying. He's praying on our behalf. 
So as we're praying, the Holy Spirit's praying for what we need, and those prayers are so deep, we can't even comprehend them. We can't put them in the words. That's what Paul means by groaning. So we cannot possibly comprehend what these prayers are. That's how deep they are for us. He's praying deep prayers for you. Ever thought about that? That God's Spirit is praying for you. And He's praying for you in an incredibly deep way, a profound way in your life this morning. God the Father has a purpose and plan for your life. God the Son, Christ, we're going to see next week, he, He's going to pray for you too. We'll see that as we end Romans 8. But I love that picture. Yet again, another picture of the Trinity. All throughout Romans 8, you see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Different places throughout the Scripture. But you see it right here too. The Holy Spirit prays. God prays. Spirit prays. Christ, we'll see next week, He prays. Verse 27. And the, and, the, and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. The Spirit of God is praying for His will to be done in your life. Remember the start of Jeremiah 29-11, right? Remember, remember we start off with that? God has plans for the people of Judah. And, and this plan, it's very similar for you today. He wants to give you hope too. We're not going to say He does it because He does. Plans to give you a future and a hope, right? If His plans for Judah were good, His plans for you are good too. God doesn't have curses for you, man. Yeah, He, he doesn't have judgment for you bad juju, whatever it is you want. He don't got that for you. Now, one day it's coming. Judgment day is coming one day, uh, but Jesus himself even says it. Yeah, that's, that's not today. That, that day ain't today. What, what's today? Blessing, promise, forgiveness. That's what God has for you today. God wants that for you and your life here today. And it's in this verse right here we get the Holy Spirit praying deeply for you. What's he praying for, man? Well, I imagine he's praying for God's will to be done in your life. So perhaps he's praying for you to be set free from some things today. You, you don't even know you need to be set free yet, but the Holy Spirit knows. So he's praying for you to be set free from, from a couple of things in your life right now. Maybe he's praying for you to be healed. And I've been praying to be healed for years. I know. So as the Spirit of God, he's praying the same thing. He's praying for you. you know, maybe he's praying for you to be delivered from something you never thought you'd break free from. There's no hope for you today. That's just who I am. I'll never get free of this. No, there's, that's not just who you are. The Spirit of God can set you free. And He's praying for that. Maybe He's praying for you to know you're standing as a son or daughter in God's eyes. Because you don't see yourself that way. And God's saying, man, listen, you're mine. I called you mine. You belong to me. Maybe He's praying for you to know that you're the head, not the tail. Have some courage. Be brave. Stand up. Don't cower. God, God's given you authority. Maybe he's praying for you to be, to be more than a conqueror through Christ and some spiritual things you're dealing with right now. You're not sure how to pray. You're not sure how to fight spiritual warfare. You're not that far along in your walk with God yet. That's okay. He is, and he's doing it for you on your behalf. I don't know the specifics. Here's what I do know, though. I know that God's plan has a purpose and is filled with hope. And it's filled with hope from Christ for you. And knowing this, man, what do you possibly have in your life that you could not trust God for. Gabriel, come on up. What do you have in your life that you could not trust God for? Because I don't think there's anything that would fit that bill. Your family, your marriage, your kids, your job, your life, everything. Trust God with it all. Trust God with everything. Why? Well, because verse 28. And we know, Paul says, that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God 
and are called according to his purpose for them. That's such a powerful verse. And if you're struggling today with some stuff, you might need to look that one up and bookmark it. You feel like you can't go on. You feel like, man, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. Remind yourself of this one right here. God causes everything to work for, for the good. For you, who follow Christ. Now, he doesn't say it's going to work out for those who are perfect. No, it's for those who love God. And what are we called? We're called sons and daughters of God, right? We're called His. And He has a purpose for us. What are those promises? Well, those promises are, it's not that every prayer is going to go the way you want it to. Because sometimes that doesn't happen. Rather, it's that everything happening in your life will work out for God's good according to His plan for your life. His plan for your life. It doesn't always match up with your plans, but His plan supersedes that. So it works for the good according to that. And I know good can mean a lot of different things. Sometimes our idea of good and God's idea of good, they don't mesh too well. I, I, I get that. But our goal should always be to live our lives in alignment with the will of God as best we can. And that alignment requires trust. And so do you trust that God's got this, what you're dealing with here today? Do you trust God with your whole life? Do you trust God with your career? Do you trust God with your family? Do you trust God with fear and anxiety and pressure and worry? Man, for those of us, and I'm, I'm a type A Enneagram 3 dude. I, it is me and nobody else. If you want a job done, you do it yourself because you do it right. That's me. You know what? We are, we are the ones who probably need this the most because the more we try to fix our situation, the worse it gets. I got trust issues with God, and I'm having to constantly, I'm a pastor telling you that, I'm constantly having to remind myself, give it to God, give it to God, give it to God. I'm trusting in God. I don't have the answer, God's got the answer. I don't got the, the resource, but God's got the resource. I don't know how it's going to work, but God knows how it's going to work. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust God with everything that I have. We hear this phrase a lot. You've heard it before, too. Everything happens for a reason, right? And, and I think that's true to a certain extent, but here's the thing. God will use everything which happens, even the bad, for his purpose. He redeems that. He uses that in your life. So can God have it all? Can God have every part of you? Can God have every part of your story that's unfolding in your life right now? Do you trust in God today? Do you trust Him? Really trust Him? Bow your heads, close your eyes if you would. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, this idea of trust, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm not trusting in God because I, I can't really call myself a follower of Jesus today. But I want to change that. I've had questions, I've had some doubts, but you know, today, today I want to change that. I, 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 I want to follow Him. I want to put my trust in Christ. What do I do? I'm going to lead you into prayer in just a moment. It's a model prayer, meaning you don't have to repeat it after me, but I want you to say it along those lines of what it means to accept Christ as your Savior, where He saves you from your sin, and then becomes Lord of your life, where He, he leads you. But before I do that, those of you who are Christians today, you got some things you're dealing with. Maybe it's just one person, but I doubt it. 
We all got some things in our lives. And you got some stuff you're dealing with and you feel overwhelmed and you feel a lot of pressure. And you got some stress and anxiety about some things. Does God have it all from you? Are you trying to walk that line by yourself or are you going to give it over to God? For you, your prayer this morning needs to be, Jesus, I'm handing everything over to you because I trust you. I trust you'll take care of this situation. I trust you'll heal this person. I trust that you'll be with my family here. I trust you'll provide this job. I trust you'll provide this answer. I trust, I trust, I trust. It's in God we trust, not some cute slogan you put on money. In God I trust is your way of life. Do you trust him? I want to pray for you today as well. So Father, I thank you for those who are here today and for those right now who are maybe not believers just yet, but they're saying, man, I, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I don't, I, I'm not a follower, but I want to change that today because I realize I, I need to trust him. And so Lord, for those individuals right now, I pray you to work in their heart and their lives. If that's you, you're going to say this prayer that kind of goes like this. We're going to pray this, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to save me from my sin. I know I've done things that aren't right. I know I've done things that go against you and your standard and who you are. And I'm telling you today that I need you in my life. So will you please forgive me for my sin, for my wrong? Will you, will you help me live this, this life brand new? In fact, I, I, I want to start trusting in you. So, Lord, I'm going to trust that you will forgive me. I'm going to trust that you're going to cleanse me. And, and, and I don't want you just to be my Savior. I'm putting trust in you. So I'm asking you to lead me. That we call that being Lord. So I'm trusting in you to be my Lord of my life where you lead me, where you guide me. <clears throat> I've lived for myself in my own way for a long time. It's kind of got me where I'm at today, and I don't like where I'm at. So, Lord, I'm telling you right now, I need you to take, take the reins and call the shots. So I trust you with my life. I trust you with the decisions you're going to make. I trust you with where you're going to lead me. And, God, I'm going to follow to do everything I can to follow and surrender and obey you from this day forward because I want to make sure that I'm walking in complete trust with you. Be my Savior and be my Lord today. For those who are Christians, God, and they're struggling this morning and with some things they haven't given over to you, God, I pray there be released this morning. May they confess that trust. Hey, Lord, I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my health. I trust you with my, my job. I trust you with this decision. I trust you, God, with anxiety. I trust you, God, with fear. I trust you, God, with these burdens. I trust you, God, with all that I've got going on. There's so much that we deal with. Lord, I pray that we confess that trust to you. And Lord, may our hearts and our lives align with you and your will. May we trust that even in a difficult situation, man, you're going to work it out for the good. And everything's going to go according to your plan, not our plan, but your plan. Trust doesn't always mean things get better right away. So Lord, I pray that as we are walking in this process, this journey, you would remind us each step we take, hey, keep trusting, keep trusting. And we live our lives fully trusting in you. 
trusting in you to be who you said you are, fully trusting in you to take care of us, fully trusting in you, God, to take care of our families, fully trusting in you, God, with every step that we take. We give everything over to you because we trust that you've got this. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.